I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. You've just tuned in to Rebel Wellness, the podcast that's here to revolutionize your approach to personal health and well-being. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join our Rebel community. In a world that's saturated with fleeting diet trends and unrealistic beauty standards, we believe it's time for serious change. Our mission is simple yet profound, to empower women like you to break free from the confines of today's diet culture and embrace a holistic approach to health that's sustainable for the long haul. If you're like me, you're here to embrace the concept that true well-being encompasses every facet of your life, mind, body, and soul. Rebels believe in aligning our journey with our individual needs and values because a one-size-fits-all approach just simply doesn't cut it anymore. This podcast is your safe space to explore the depths of wellness guided by myself, experts, real life stories, and genuine commitment to your growth. You're here to begin your transformative journey, and it's time to discover your own version of balance in your health. Every week when you tune into Rebel Wellness, we'll learn, grow, and rebel against the polarizing outdated norms to finally achieve lasting vitality and joy. Because that sounds pretty great, right? Your journey starts now, and I am so excited that you're here. Welcome back, Rebel. I am so glad you are here joining us today. Today's topic is a really hot topic right now, and so I thought I would give a little deeper dive into this topic today for those of you who are starting to see a lot more information, especially on social media, about this topic. So today I am going to dive into microplastics and the whole world of why this is kind of becoming more noticeable right now with the way that we are starting to actually be able to study it more and see where microplastics, tiny little plastics, are getting into everything and what does it mean for our health, right? This is the thing that we are the most concerned about because plastic is, I mean, We joke, we call things plastic when it's fake, right? Everything that is not natural to the world is usually in a category of like plastics or just man-made chemicals in general. So they're kind of synonymous and it's really important to think about it that way because we have to recognize how much this can be impacting our environment and therefore us as humans living in this environment and how it impacts our body. Our body is all made out of natural substances and materials. So it's really important that we talk about this today. And so I'm going to, as always, try to make this as interesting and digestible as possible for you. So I hope that it is going to help you leave this conversation today a little more knowledgeable about the risks and environmental factors that come into play as we are learning more and more about microplastics. And be sure to stay tuned all the way to the end of today's episode because I'm going to give you actionable habits and lifestyle swaps that you can implement even today to reduce your exposure as much as possible to these plastics. It's going to be kind of mind-blowing to see where you are probably getting more plastics in your body than you would want. And as always, like these things hang out in your body and it's inevitable that they're going to start to wreak havoc on multiple systems in your body because they're just not meant to be there. And so we're going to get into all that down and dirty talk about it. But at the same time, for those of you who have heard the Forever Chemicals episode, PFAs, you know, for example, 
this topic is going to be very synonymous to that conversation because they are kind of one and the same. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, that is a great one because it kind of covers a lot more than just microplastics in the way that a lot of these different forever chemicals come into our body and the environment as well. So definitely check that one out. That is episode 41. It is a good one. Definitely listen to that after this one if you want to learn more about more chemicals and resources to help you get clean out your lifestyle and your diet and whatnot for your family, yourself, your friends, etc. Also, if you find this episode helpful for you, or if it's a conversation or a topic that you've been having with other people in your life, I would love for you to share this episode with them and maybe it'll help them feel a little bit more empowered with the knowledge that we talk about today. But with that said, come join our community if you haven't already at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram, as well as at Kaylee Loren. You can find both those links to my Instagrams on the show notes. Definitely come join our community. You can also join our newsletter to get a whole bunch of great health advice and resources for you once a month from coachkales.com. You can sign up to the newsletter a multitude of places on the website. So I hope you come join our community. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode all about microplastics, and I hope that you enjoy it. Okay, so let's just answer the most basic question first off. (laughs) What are microplastics? So microplastics, you can kind of think of them as like teeny tiny little pieces of plastic, no bigger than like a sesame seed on your hamburger bun. They're considered, you know, regular plastic when it gets bigger than that, I guess, in the scientific world, but they are often microscopic. So the reason why I have seen like New York Times and several other big news sources have been putting out information like, oh my gosh, we just discovered there are literally thousands and millions of microplastics in your water bottles, you know, like your tiny Tiny little water bottles can have so many microplastics in them, unfortunately. And they're finding this out now because we actually have microscopes that can see them. So similar to like the science of gut health, where we are learning so much more because we actually have technology that can study the gut microbiome. It's the same exact kind of concept for microplastics. This is why we are finding them more now and the conversation is getting a little bit stronger because we can actually see them. And then we're like seeing more of them and we're like, holy shit, (laughs) there's a lot of plastic in our water. And that is problematic because we don't want to have that in our body because we're just drinking it, right? And foreign particles that go into our body don't always get expelled, especially when they're really tiny. So this is posing a lot of issues, especially in the female body, because we carry a higher body fat percentage. And body fat, unfortunately, stores a lot of toxins. This is kind of one of those things that is a downside of excess body fat is that it's also kind of a storage ground for a lot of these different chemicals and toxins in general. So that's why females are a little bit more susceptible to holding on to a lot more of these toxins because we tend to have naturally higher body fat percentages for reproduction and a whole bunch of different reasons. That's a little kind of scientific look into why we are seeing this become more of an issue and how we are able to see them. So they start out as big plastic items like soda bottles, grocery bags, you know, toys, makeup containers, etc. And over time, when these big plastics kind of age or they're sitting in the sun, like 
falling apart and or getting just tossed around or, you know, when water bottles are sitting in your car in the sun because your car gets significantly hotter if it's a sunny day, it breaks down some of the plastics into super small particles, little tiny pieces. And it's how we get a lot more plastic into our life. This is why you've seen a lot more people move towards stainless steel or glass for their water bottles. And I highly recommend that. That's what I do personally, because as I've learned more and more over the years about microplastics and such, and living in a hotter state like California, even when I was living in Oregon, when we'd get a lot of sun, it still gets hot in the car enough. I knew that these were things that would leach into the water because have you ever just like left a plastic water bottle? Like a lot of people used to have Nalgene's back in the day because they were like at Costco and whatever, any plastic water bottle in general, and you leave it in your car and like over time, if you don't drink it over the next couple of days and then you take like a swig, it's like, ew, it tastes weird. Like, could you taste sometimes it tasted plasticky? And unfortunately that's because plastic was leaching into your water over time and it's gross. Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's really easy for it to get in there. And we also don't have control over when they're transporting water bottles. Like if you buy big cases of like the standard 16 ounce size water bottles, you don't have control over what heat exposure happened in transportation. So a lot of times when they're being transported in trucks or planes or wherever, you know, they could be exposed to different temperatures that will like rise and lower. And over that amount of time, they will leach plastic into your water, especially if you're somebody who keeps like a case of water bottles in the back of your trunk. It's also absorbing that. So typically this is how we get the most microplastics into our systems, but they can also come in through food packaging, especially now that more delivery food services have gotten popular post-pandemic, you know, and all this different stuff. There's a lot of ways that heat from the food can also leach those microplastics into your food and then you ingest them through eating it. But the challenge is the fact that they are so small. You really cannot see them a lot of the times, even with your eyes. They end up in our oceans, our rivers, and soil. And the trickier part is that they're so small, animals in the water might accidentally eat them, thinking they're food. And sometimes they can end up in the water we drink, the way I just was explaining, and the food we eat, the way I was just explaining. And it's just really important to try and reduce your plastic usage as much as much as possible if you are wanting to reduce your exposure to these microplastics. We'll talk more about that here in a second, but I just wanted to give you a little idea what are microplastics. And it's quite literally just breaking apart the word itself. They're tiny, tiny, tiny plastics, and they come from a multitude of different reasons, but they are everywhere, they are in our bodies, and they are causing a lot of challenges for our health, especially for those of us who use a lot of those products. So kind of a brief history of why microplastics have been literally accumulating only recently. It's not even been around for about 100 years. Most scientific authors of scientific research papers that have been published identify the period from 1945 onwards as the major significant moment where they see an increase in plastics in the deposition of our soil, of our watershed, you know, a whole bunch of different areas that they mark and test for indicators of when did this start to become an issue um, to the extent of the environment impacts. And so it's really only been around like 70 years that we've been dealing with a really big increased growth of worldwide plastic production. So this is where we're starting to see now because it's been several decades kind of the long-term impacts 
of all this plastic in our environment and our bodies. It's also been pointed towards some research behind different um, neurological imbalances and diseases um, in babies now or children now, and um, along with a multitude of different situations, including like allergies, intolerances, the gambit. So we're starting to see where maybe these chemicals that have come from our plastics, especially since a lot of chemicals were allowed for a long time until we saw enough research and um, evidence that it was bad, cough, cough, BPA, and a lot of the other BPs in general, where we are seeing how it is negatively affecting the human body. And they are starting to put it on a platform where people are like, I don't want to buy those products anymore. So then companies are kind of forced to remove those chemicals, but they usually just replace it with other chemicals until those chemicals also get marked as not healthy either. This is just the sad truth of it, which is why reducing your plastic usage in general is really important. But I want to make sure to note that the most up-to-date research on microplastics and these chemicals is that we actually don't know the entire extent at which these chemicals are impacting us. So it's still a very new science. Kind of like I was saying earlier, we're still really trying to figure it out and we don't know everything. So if you ever see any conversations online where people have very like hard stop viewpoints on microplastics and chemical exposures due to plastics, that's usually kind of a red flag to just ignore them because if, if it's not fully known yet what we are dealing with here with all the plastic exposure, especially since it is in everything. We have found it in our tap water, in our oceans, in our rivers, in our agriculture, in our animals, in our everything. So unfortunately at this point, it has saturated our entire planet and we need to better understand it and better understand it sooner. But the best thing that you can do immediately to have an impact on it is to reduce your plastic usage as an individual human or household as much as possible. So we'll talk more about that here in a second. But I want to make sure that you guys understand as far as the history of it goes, it's still baby science, <laughs> I like to call it. It's newbie, um, not entirely newbie, but it's been around for a little while. Like I remember my dad texting me like maybe five years ago and he's like, don't use Crest toothpaste. It has little micro um, spheres of plastic and they're starting to accumulate in our oceans and blah, 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 blah. And it's like just our toothpaste. Our toothpaste has plastic in it because it's supposed to help like scrub the tartar and stuff off your teeth better. So if you're even using toothpastes like Crest and stuff that have little micro beads in them to supposedly help clean your teeth better, stop using that immediately. <laughs> But I remember my dad talking to me about this because he was he had read an article in that National Geographic, I believe. And so this is something that especially people who have been staying up to date with environmental research have been following and knowing for quite a while now. But now general population is starting to get way more informed on it because of platforms like TikTok, Instagram, et cetera, but also because it's starting to come to a head. We're starting to actually get better research on it now. Things are getting published on it now, and the gloves are coming off, so to speak, with understanding microplastics and everything to do with how it's impacting us, even through our water. So I do want to take a moment to kind of talk about water, because that is one of our major ways that we are getting exposed to microplastics, because they literally are pulled out of the ground or whatever material it falls onto or crumbles onto or 
is deposited into such as like our landfills for our trash and such and gets transported by water and then it stays usually in the water or wherever the water has been transporting this is why you'll see it a lot of river beds have layers of microplastics especially in certain areas where they don't take care of the water that flows into nature very well so a lot of more countries that don't do a lot of care to make sure that that doesn't happen and i mean but even in the u.s even in the u.s we have a lot of situations where it gets into our watershed and such through that but that's where water comes in and becomes an issue because we have especially in places like california or just the u.s in general we have a really huge population right and the issue is is that we have old ways that water gets around to our homes that are not always updated. So a lot of times that's where we kind of get a risk with tap water and why it's never recommended to drink just tap water because we get a lot of even heavy metals into our tap water and just hard water in general. So a lot of times you'll see like, especially if you're somebody like for example, where we live in California, there's a lot of hard water. So we have to use like water softener to make the water less hard, less harsh. And at the same time though, we also use systems like a reverse osmosis system to help take a lot of that stuff out of our water to try to purify it as much as possible. And so that is kind of where we start to see like, okay, maybe something is not ideal about our tap water and we might need to take a little bit more care into how we ingest it or utilize it on our body, even through showers and stuff. But it's important to know that because of this, like how water gets around to us, to your home, to your apartment, to wherever you are, impacts the quality of the water and impacts the exposure to forever chemicals, but also within that category, microplastics. So the best thing that you can do initially is check out ewg.org and look up your zip code and see what your tap water is currently rated at. If you are in more of the orange red zone, you probably want to consider really looking into changing at least how you get your drinking water. Unfortunately, even fridge water is not <laughs> very good. I just actually was talking to several clients about this and uh, one of my clients had one of those like electronic water testers and they said they were really surprised to see that their water that was coming out of the fridge, despite having that little filter thing that you install, especially if you do or don't replace it at a timely manner. Um, it comes back basically the same as your tap water from your sink, which kind of makes sense because it is coming through like a tap through the back of your fridge. But how much does that little filter actually work, right? And so for us, I borrowed their little stick and I brought it home. Sure enough, the only water that actually had a really good close to pure rating was the reverse osmosis water. So I'm really grateful that our home came with a reverse osmosis filter because that's dominantly what I drink from. You do have to add minerals back because it does remove literally almost everything and makes it as pure as possible just through how reverse osmosis works. But with that, it is very interesting to find that unfortunately our water from our fridge was literally like 20 points below our tap water from the sink, which is gross, right? So if you are somebody who is like been drinking out of your fridge water, thinking that it's been filtered water, unfortunately you might actually be still getting exposed to a lot of different 
chemicals, including microplastics, because it doesn't filter well enough. It's kind of like how a lot of the Brita filter water filters and a bunch of them have been kind of, I wouldn't say red labeled, but they've been called out lately about like not actually being that effective. It's unfortunately true. Same thing goes because it's usually the same kind of filtration system out of your fridge water. So that's not great, especially too, if you're somebody who uses ice a lot from your fridge water, you don't make your own ice like with little trays. That's also um, a place that you could be getting unknowingly exposed to microplastics as well. Hey Ripple, I'm just sliding in real quick to tell you about the newest free resource that I have just launched for you. You really don't want to miss this one. I've been talking about several things the last few podcasts where I really wanted to share some free resources with you to help you on your wellness journey and approach it from maybe an angle that you've not experienced before, but in a good way. So I know how getting back on track can be exhausting and overwhelming, especially if you haven't aligned with your health in a hot minute, maybe. I noticed a trend with my one-on-one clients over the last years that many of us jump into like hardcore restriction after returning from vacations or holidays or just emotional events, like whatever it might be that might take you off your usual habits or health routine. I coach them on all of these same core elements to get them back on track with a lot less shame or frustration. So I wanted to make this coaching bit accessible to everyone because they can't be the only ones struggling with this, right? So I created the post-vacay reset guide. It doesn't have to just be after a vacation, but the concept stands that it's after taking a little vacation from your usual routine or maybe just a health routine that you want to be in more consistently. So all my top steps and mindset tips to get you back into alignment with yourself are in this guide. And it's a system that you can easily implement over and over again. So you may not even need the guide once you've gotten it down. And that's the goal, right? That's the goal that I would want you to have is that you establish this mindset change and approach to getting back in alignment more than just freaking juice cleanses and intense sweat sessions five days a week. You know what I mean? So I've even included bonus content like a printable planning page and a 14 day reset challenge. Should you need a little more direction in getting your cravings back in check, dropping the extra water weight, inflammation, and all that and more. So this guide is hundred percent free, no spam attached. I promise you. So hop on over to my stand store, stand.store backslash kales to grab a copy, or you can just hop on my website, coachkales.com, click the freebies link to get yours there as well. And I think you're really going to like how I approach resetting. It's going to be a lot different than your average detox. So I hope that you enjoy it and all right, let's get back to the show. So this is a perfect time to continue to transition into where are you getting your most exposure to microplastics and the my best tips for how you can reduce it and hopefully cut out as much as possible for yourself and your family. So kind of piggybacking off of what I was just talking about, it would be in your best interest to consider getting a reverse osmosis machine. I can't say it today. An RO machine. Anything that's reverse osmosis is considered RO. So I'll probably just reference it now as RO. You might see it online as RO. If you follow health gurus and things or whatever on Instagram, you may have seen them use RO 
when they're talking about water and that's what they mean. If you've always been like, what the heck do they mean by an RO? <laughs> but there's a lot of different ways you can get this in your home. I would recommend you start with the kitchen because you can either pay somebody to come install a machine for you. There are roughly the good quality sink ones can be anywhere from 200 to 400 dollars. Sometimes they can go even more. Some people actually want to do an entire home filtration system if you have the cha-ching to do that. That's the top tier version of impacting your water for your family's house exposure. But for those of you who want to kind of manage as much as possible with a tighter budget, I would go for installing one into your sink or buying one of the kind of fancier pitcher style RO machines that go up on your um, countertop somewhere. They kind of look similar to like a chunky Keurig machine. <laughs> But they are basically like a larger format where you can pour a bunch of tap water into it and then it'll filter it for you at a cup by cup basis. There's a ton of them available on Amazon. I also have on my coachkales.com. I've put together a bunch of resources for you guys as people ask me to of my like Amazon uh, links. So if you go to my page and you go to resources, there should be Amazon and affiliates Click on that, scroll down. There's several of the ones that my clients have used and that I have used that I recommend on there. It's more towards the bottom, but there's so many great options online with Amazon, especially that can get to your house like within the same week. So that would be a good way to immediately start to reduce your exposure to a lot of different chemicals that could be impacting your body more than you think, especially to today's topic, microplastics. So one of the first things that I would say you should do is see where you can change your water source. So make it an RO machine or a more healthy purification system in general for your whole home if you can. But definitely, I would say stop buying plastic water bottles as much as possible. Stick to glass bottles and or constantly refill larger water carriers like stainless steel or glass with your RO machine and then have that day to day. For myself personally, I have three different Yetis. Actually, I technically have two. And then one of my clients for Christmas gave me a Stanley. So I have a 40 ounce Stanley and then I have 36 ounce uh, Yetis all over the house that I drink when I need water. And I refill it constantly with my RO. And I always have one to two electrolytes powder mixtures or noon tablets a day because you do need to put minerals back into your water. If you're drinking purified water all the time, you are going to actually be depleting your body of minerals because really purified water needs minerals to balance out the water molecule and it will complete that molecule by pulling those nutrients from your body as it passes through your body with extended use of not replenishing those minerals. So that's your sodium, potassium, magnesium, chloride, calcium, etc. You do want to make sure that you're getting those in your diet extra because with an RO machine, it's purifying it. So something that I do want to note too, is that I know a lot of people have kind of made not drinking tap elitist, but here's why it's important to consider your changing your thought process on that. Because what the big issue is, especially I'm speaking to US, everybody in the US, our population is so large our country is so large that we have to go to whatever measure possible to get water to every single human that is living and has homes and or doesn't have homes um, on the land that we you know, occupy. So with that said, 
that is a lot of responsibility to get water around to areas that never had this amount of water. Like you couldn't just be living in the, the desert in Nevada and be like, I'm going to turn my shower on and have a lot of water. That's why they've built watersheds and uh, reservoirs to specifically have water available for the homes there. So you can get the same quality of water pressure in the middle of the desert as you do along the coast of California, you know? So in reality, we have to move water around from place to place. That means a lot of opportunity for lower quality water to be utilized to get around, you know? They want to make sure that you have water access, but how quality the water is, is kind of lower on the totem pole. It's basically at what is the bare minimum we can have that is like legally okay to get to humans in this area, in this county or city or whatever. And so unfortunately, that means that our water quality for giving water, which is life to millions and millions and millions of citizens means that our water quality is lower and lower because we just need to get water that is technically digestible and not dangerous to as many people as possible, okay? So that means that our quality of water isn't as good as somebody living in the Swiss Alps who could just literally put a water bottle in a river, you know what I mean? So unfortunately, the thought process that any water is fine water, especially if you live here in the U.S., is a little bit faulty because we unfortunately don't have good quality water that's accessible, especially out of the tap and especially coming out of our hose. Like gone are the days where our grandparents were drinking water out of the hose in the 40s back <laughs> in their backyards. Now, if you do that, you can get like copper, lead, chlor uh, chlorines, you know, a whole bunch of things that you just really wouldn't want, including microplastics. So this is why we have to take our water quality more seriously and prioritize it a little bit more than ever before, especially because now we're 70 years down the road of mass production of a lot of plastics and it is becoming a very significant issue now. Okay, so aside from just water bottles and such, stopping using those as much as possible, the other way that you can improve your exposure is through, if you're not putting a whole house filtration on your water intake into your home, you can put water filters on your shower heads, your sink heads. There's actually a great company that I like for my skincare called Filter Baby. I actually have a link again on my affiliates on my coachkales.com and you can check them out. I use one because our water is really hard here and has a lot of really not great effects on my skin quality because I do have more sensitive skin on my face. So if you're somebody who also has more sensitive skin and you go on ewg.org and you discover that your tap water is crap in New York County or city, I would definitely recommend looking into something like a filter baby or a good quality filter for your shower head as well. Because when we shower, especially we usually use hot water and that opens up our pores and we are more susceptible to absorbing things as well. With that said, same goes for our body products in the shower and such. So you might want to try to find companies or products that have glass containers or metal containers. It's not easy to find that, right? So there's places like one of my best friends, her mom runs what's called the filler up shop. It's a environmentally friendly place where you can go and bring your own containers and fill with great quality, more natural body products, body shampoos, all of that. Shout out to filler up shop in Morgan Hill. If you are in the area, you can look up there's a bunch around the U.S. They might have different names, but look for 
something that is considered a refill station where you can take your own containers, ideally glass or maybe stainless steel or something like that, to these storefronts and refill your even your detergent and dish soap and things like that. That's a really great way to reduce plastic consumption in general, but also to reduce your exposure to a bunch of microplastics. You can even actually consider putting a lot of your products that you are purchasing, if they come in plastic, you can transfer them into glass bottles with like a pump or something, or just glass bottles where where you pour it out in your hand. If you want to reduce how much plastic leaches over time, because of course your shower gets warm or your shower could get hot and it will still leach plastic into your products. And then you're washing yourself with your pores open and you can get exposed to a ton of those different chemicals through that as well. So you also want to just be careful and mindful of which products you're using, including your cosmetics, um, which like I had mentioned in episode 41 about PFAs and forever chemicals, you can use an app like the Yucca app, Y-U-K-A, where you can scan all your products and get kind of a rating of what chemical exposures you're getting through using that product. And it can help you really clean up your entire house of what is good or not great for your body. And it also gives you suggestions. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. If you want something, I'm not sponsored by them or affiliated at all, but I have found it to be a really helpful app that's actionable immediately. So you can just download that and start scanning all of your products day to day, all the way down to your deodorant. And um, we also do want to consider changing our toothbrushes. And like I said, the toothpaste, if you're using Crest, stop using Crest because they have microplastics in the toothpaste itself, unfortunately. And there's a ton of different products day-to-day that we use that increase our exposure to microplastics. All right, Rebel, taking a moment here to answer our question of the episode. I actually saved this question from a few months ago from Jackie, one of our listeners who had asked me, I had made a post about plastics in general, or it was forever chemicals, actually, I believe. And she said, aren't there certain numbers that you can look on plastic items that can tell you that they are not ideal to be microwaved? So I thought that this is a perfect question to answer in this episode because it's obviously related and a very helpful tip for those of you listening. So to answer that question, so if you've never known that the bottom of plastic, most plastic items, I think all plastic items have that little like kind of triangly thing that have a number in it. And that tells you what type of plastic is used on that product. While I'm not going to get into all of the different numbers and what they mean or what kind of plastic each of those numbers are, to answer the question of what plastics are safe to reheat in and which are not. Generally, plastics that are numbered number five, which is polypropylene, is the safest generally to microwave because it's heat resistant and it has not as much potential for exposing you to phthalates and BPA because those are most of the concerning endocrine disruptors that can get into your food or liquids in general, aka endocrine disruptors. And um, a lot of toxins in general come from exposure to phthalates and BPA. All right, which numbers should you always avoid? And maybe you should write this down in your phone so that you can reference it. 
plastics number three, six, and seven should never be heated. Never, ever, ever. Just because they can go in a microwave doesn't mean they're microwave safe. Anything can go in a microwave that is not metal. <laughs> and so unfortunately, that means that a lot of people tend to microwave and things they shouldn't. And so do not microwave food in anything that's number three, six, or seven, okay? Move it again. Ideally, move everything, even if it's a number five, into a glass or ceramic dish. But if you must, stick to number five. Three, six, and seven should be avoided at all costs because there is going to be a lot of unsafe chemicals that will get into your food. And it is not great to be ingesting more chemicals than you're already exposed to naturally in life that you have less control over. So what you do have control over is what you microwave in, especially for your food. So be very conscientious and careful about that as much as possible, please, and avoid three, six, and seven. That is a really great question and probably something that I would dive deeper into on this episode if I wanted to bore you guys with a big laundry list of chemical microplastic talk, but I'm trying to keep this one as digestible and interesting to you as possible, which means we're just getting to what I think is the most important for you to know right now. But thank you, Jackie, for that question. It is perfect for this episode. And Again, if you are somebody who has a question that you want to ask that you want me to answer on the episode in a future uh, recording, definitely send your questions to hello at kayleeloren.com or you can just shoot it in the DMs to the at Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram page or even the Kaylee Loren one. That is great too. Without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so let's get into then why... And how do we get, like, what is the reason we are so concerned about microplastics in our body? What does it do to our body, right? That's something that you're probably wondering, like, why is this actually a big deal? Well, it seems to be one of the major areas to focus on of why microplastics and nanoplastics, you know, that's another term I haven't used, but that's the even smaller than microplastics, which is crazier. Both of those topics um, or variants rather are mainly impacting our mitochondria. So our mitochondria, if you didn't know, is kind of like our powerhouse of our cells. You know, it supplies the energy to the cell through respiration, which is a scientific process of how our cells get energy. And mitochondria are super essential for many cellular processes, including protein production, metabolism, regulation, etc. So a healthy mitochondrial system is super essential for your overall health and well-being, but these organelles are vulnerable to environmental stressors such as these microplastics. So when our mitochondria come into contact with these particles, they can be damaged and impair cell function overall. So this is kind of crazy, right? So our impaired mitochondrial function can lead to a wide range of health issues including things like fatigue, headaches, gastrointestinal problems, and a lot more. So in multiple cases that have been recorded, it is kind of believed that these impacts to your mitochondria might lead to conditions like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. So this is a big deal, right? Our exposure to microplastics could be leading towards these major life-altering late-life diseases. I used to have a ex-boyfriend in the past who was at high risk for Alzheimer's. So when I was in my early college years, I kind of did some deep diving into the modern research on how to prevent Alzheimer's, right? Because that's (laughs) what your initial reaction might be if you hear that somebody you might be with for a long time might get Alzheimer's. And so for me, or at least that's what I do, (laughs) 
because I'm a nerd, I started to realize that Alzheimer's is not as genetic as people think. A lot of people just were like, oh, Alzheimer's, it runs in the family. So you're probably just going to get it. Uh, yes and no. There's a lot of things with a lot of diseases we're finding can come from different areas. It can be genetic. It can also be environmentally exposed um, or caused rather. And so Alzheimer's, there was a lot of research that was starting to happen. This was back in like 2014, 2015, that they were starting to find that lifestyle factors and exposures to certain chemicals and things in your environment increase your risk for Alzheimer's. So unfortunately, the reason why this is like newer science is because we've now started to be like, oh, could something else be a reason for this disease? You know, like what, how do we study this? And then it needs time to study people over a a longevity type of study and see like, okay, conclusive evidence, this is an impactor. So the reason why we used to know this or that about one thing, and now we learn this thing, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily negate the fact that we used to believe it was just genetics, but at the same time, it does bring us new perspective into the wide world of what we consume or what we absorb into our body can absolutely impact our health in a whole bunch of different ways. Okay. So this is why it's really important to not become very black or white on how you understand certain diseases or like I was even talking to a lot of my clients recently about ADHD, how it actually isn't known whether or not food and chemicals can impact ADHD in humans, especially children, because there's not enough research either. But you'll see a lot of people all over online being like, nope, it's only genetics, you know, and it's actually, no, there's actually a lot of people who have it that are not hereditarily related. So similar to that, we are starting to see that microplastics and these chemicals that are in the plastics that just hang out in your body can cause things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and um, a whole bunch of different issues, especially starting with the mitochondria. And this is really interesting because It's uh, as I continue to learn more and more about these different environmental toxins, and we would consider these as endocrine disruptors. So our endocrine system is our hormones and our hormones manage literally almost all the functions in our body that for a lot of my clients in the past that we were never really sure why certain things were showing up a certain way. Now learning a lot more about these environmental toxins like microplastics or just forever chemicals in general, kind of put in a potential question mark, they turn it into like a, it might be exposure to microplastics, you know? And it's annoying because I know how many people want to be like, eh, can't be that. That just seems like really like not, you know, seems too easy or it seems too small, like couldn't be possibly causing any of that stuff, but it absolutely can. And I've had a lot of clients that have gotten um, really high quality in-depth testing done on their gut bacteria, their stool, their hormone levels in general. And we're seeing that a lot of them are coming back really high BPA, which comes from microplastic exposure because BPA comes out of plastics. And BPA is a forever chemical. You know, it's these chemicals that are endocrine disruptors. So it's going to absolutely impact your hormone levels. Everything from your sex hormones, because hormones are not just testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. Hormones are like vitamin D and cortisol, melatonin. You know, there's so many different hormones that actually are getting impacted from too much of this stuff getting into your body. And so I also have had another client where we've been like, why does she have such bad mitochondria function? She's not that old. She's in her early thirties. Like what is going on? And now as we continue to learn more about it, I would absolutely bet her exposure to microplastics in her youth 
and or her parents, like her moms, you know, because you get a lot of your initial body and your health from your parents. And unfortunately, these chemicals and plastics are crossing the barrier into fetuses in the mom's body because it used to be that they could avoid getting through the placenta, but now they're actually just getting in through your umbilical cord because they're coming in through the bloodstream. And that's scary, right? And that sucks. So changing the way you view microplastics and understand it as this whole health issue that can start from your mitochondria down into your hormone function and way more than that, as we start to learn from more research, it becomes a lot more important, hopefully, for you to consider taking these things seriously. Because as you have lower mitochondria function, you even see a lot more risk of health issues that include like fatigue, headaches, migraines, nausea, and depression, because those are all the body's natural symptoms when something isn't operating at its best. So if you are somebody who deals with any of those things, you might want to consider your plastic and microplastic exposure because it might be not helping you. If you're somebody who is facing some of those things, I would have you consider reaching out to a functional medicine doctor in your area, somebody who can test your body to see your mitochondrial health and also test things like stool test you, see where your body's at, see how much BPA and such is in your system and try to get you on a good path for healing yourself and getting those numbers down and trying to see if your body can do a natural detox function. Unfortunately, the, the hard part with a lot of these forever chemicals, why they're called forever chemicals that are in microplastics, nanoplastics, et cetera, is that they never leave the body. And that's where we're starting to get concerned is that how do we get them to be removed by the body naturally? Or what can we do to encourage the removal of these excess plastics in our bodies? And there is not entirely conclusive science on that yet, but I do know that there are several groups of scientists heavily researching substances and or different mechanisms to get those out of our bodies, but not even just our bodies, out of the ocean and a whole bunch of different areas because we're realizing that this plastic issue is worse than we think. <laughs> so we definitely want to take this all seriously. So it's, it's definitely complicated to get as deep as possible, but I hope that that was deep enough for you to kind of better understand the risks of microplastics and how you can impact your own life by adjusting what exposures you have in your home, what exposures you have out in the world, and how you single-handedly <laughs> impact your household with reducing your usage of plastics in general, because they're unfortunately everywhere. They've become so commonplace in our homes, some homes more than others, but you can absolutely benefit at least your own health, your family's health, or your roommate's health, or your pet's health <laughs> through um, reducing your plastic usage and filtering your water better. Because our water is the biggest concern with how we're getting it just into our body, either through our skin or through simply just drinking it, ingesting it. So definitely also consider what ways you're getting exposed to plastic and mindfully note that. Like if you're somebody who frequently door dashes and all your food always comes in plastic containers, or you're somebody who cooks in the microwave a lot in your Tupperwares and such, you're going to want to switch to glass as much as possible or your ceramic plates, like move everything to a non-plastic microwave safe vessel 
and try to always heat things in that. On the same note from the PFAs, I mentioned that one of our biggest exposures is through like Teflon and nonstick coating. So if you can learn how to cook on cast iron or stainless steel, that is going to reduce your exposure through your food a lot as well. Make sure that you're not using um, appliances in your house that have coating like that on it, any plastic coating or as much plastic as possible. A lot of coffee makers and such like Keurigs process hot water and hot things through plastic. Inevitably brings microplastics, nanoplastics into your coffee and everything. So you may want to switch to something like I use a Chemex. Sometimes I use the harder plastic AeroPress, but it also has the filter on it. I would say in the best effort to reduce it, you may want to start doing like pour overs, like you can do single serve pour overs, or you can use a Chemex. I know that they take more time, but your health is worth it. (laughs) Or you can also just do cold brews and in a glass, in a giant glass pitcher, you can cold brew your own coffee that way as well. And it's going to reduce your plastic exposure tenfold. So there's a lot of different ways that you can impact your health in a positive way. And um, it's going to be potentially a small investment or a mindfulness change that's going to require like some mental effort at first. But once you start to swap everything to less plastic exposure, you're going to make such big impacts on your health. So that's it for today's episode, Rebel. I hope that you understand microplastics a little bit better and you can help teach other people how to reduce it in their life as well, because it's going to be a joint effort to help our environment and our own individual communities to help our health in the big long run. So if you found this episode helpful, I'd love for you to share it with somebody you think could benefit. And if you feel so called, I would love it if you would throw our show a five-star rating or a comment to share with others what you love about Rebel Wellness. It helps us expand and grow to more views, more listens, all that jazz. And it would really help us grow as a community in general. So I hope that you celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. If you are still listening, thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, I have some exciting news for you. So if you would love to join our newsletter group, you can join us on coachkales.com or you can join my Stan store at stan.store backslash kales, K-A-I-L-E-S. And that's an awesome opportunity for you to snag some freebies that I've created, including a macro hack grocery list that is gonna help you kind of design a custom grocery list especially for following macronutrients, because as you know, if you didn't listen to my macros in May series, I would go back to those episodes because it has been a game changer for so many of our listeners for getting more on top of how to shape their physique and their health goals with the food they're eating. So don't sleep on that. Go get your free download, S-T-A-N, like Stan the man, stan.store backslash kills. And you can also join our newsletter from that. And if you would like to reach out to me, chat, maybe work together, you can also contact me through my website, coachkales.com. And I would absolutely love you to join our 
Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram, which is at Rebel Wellness Podcast. And you can also join my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. That's where it all began. That's where I share the most um, kind of custom to what I work on specifically with my clients on that page. So join that one. It's all feminine wellness focused. And I share some great stuff, some goofy stuff, things that you just don't want to miss, as well as healthy recipes and things and easy recipes because we all kind of need some easy grab and go things, don't we? So I would love you to join both those pages as you'll be joining a community of like-minded females who are all committed to living their best lives. So hit that follow button. And I would love if you felt the need to share and rate our podcast. We would love that. Anyways, thanks for listening. And I hope to catch you next Sunday or say hello on the gram.